Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? Then do we have a podcast for you. God damn it, I fucked it up. I was going to say, that is not what that says. <laughs> I just got new glasses and I can read. That does not I, say. I skipped a line. I was looking over to see how bad my mic was hopping. <sighs> okay. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? God damn it, you fucking cut out. Hold on. Alright, we're doing it again. Muggle. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spin-off of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you! Hello everyone, I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire, Whiskey, and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fanfiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which is rated explicit for language and adult situations. Woohoo! So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Alright, Kat, give us a recap of what's happened in the last four chapters. Or even just last week. Yeah, let's just stick to last week, because that's all my memory (laughs) can handle at the moment. Okay, in explicit detail. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I remember some people, not really well. In my view, it was kind of complainy, but I guess it's not about, like, Hermione bringing back, uh, Sirius. There you go. Yeah! That homework I did over the weekend paid off. What? For those of you uh, wondering, she finally rewatched Order of the Phoenix. Well, it was on TV, so. Poop, poop, because it's October! Hashtag Rebus is Lupin. Um, anyways... <laughs> So I remember that, and then I remember a bunch of other stuff going on. Ooh, towards the very end, uh, Harry saw him for the first time, and he was like, what, bro? What is this? And that's all I really remember. Succinct as always. To add slightly more detail, they had an order meeting. Uh, Sirius arrived, er, Moody was mad and asked a lot of questions, and Hermione kind of stuck up for him. And then at the end of the episode, they did the rescue of Harry, and then Sirius showed his face to Harry, and Harry was very excited. Now, so this is essentially at the beginning of um, the Deathly Hallows. That's where we are right now. Ooh. Ooh. So, uh, without further ado, here is Chapter 5, Sad Sitting Sods. There are some really big words in this chapter. Sorry. <laughs> Stop reading ahead. You're not supposed to know any of this. Actually, I don't know that we've explained this well enough for people who were listening, because I've had a couple people ask about this. Cat has never read The Dead of Time. Cat is very much an audiobook person, 
and currently there is no audiobook for The Dead of Time, which is why I offered to read it to her, which is sort of how this podcast came about. Yeah, well, hashtag special needs can't read. Okay, she says that, but she's also about to get her freaking PhD. So, like, special... Just so you know, I can read, I just don't like to. I know you can read, clearly. You're getting your I'm PhD. I'm talking about them. Oh. I can read, I just don't like to. Yeah, it's kind of like how I would like to be a runner, but when I try to run, I feel like I'm going to die. Because you have bad knees and the army ruins your lungs, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Anyway, but for those of you who are not aware, that is why I am doing all of the reading, is because this whole podcast was so that my best friend could get into the story that I love. And also, Aww. if I read it, I would literally put words in the sentences that aren't there. I would start laughing at funny stuff, and yeah, it's just, it's bad. <laughs> Like, this is why I could never be president, because I could never, like, read the teleprompter and be like, American people, listen to me. And let it be known, that is the only reason she can't be president. I mean, I could be, uh, what's-his-face Snow from Hunger Games, but nobody <laughs> wants that. I'm now, Katniss! Now, now we're crossing. <laughs> crossing fandoms. Alright, so. Jesus, Claire, read! Don't fight me! Don't well, actually... buy me a plane ticket and I'll come up there and fight you. Bitch, if I buy you a plane ticket, we're not fighting. We're getting brunch. Okay. Mmm. Brunch. Careful there, Hermione said. <laughs> Alright. August... August 1st, 1997. Careful there, Hermione said as she approached Sirius taking the seat behind him at the large round table in the back of the marquee. The table was flanked by empty chairs, and half-empty bottles of butterbeer dotted the place settings that surrounded them. Everyone else under the tent was on their feet, dancing beneath the floating candles that lit up the room, enjoying the company, and congratulating Bill and Floor. Sirius eyed Hermione curiously. Careful of what? Careful, or you might bury yourself so deep in this misery you're wallowing in that you'll come out the other side cheerful. She leant over and gently bumped her sh his shoulder with her own, drawing a small smile out of him. Her own smile was bright and joyful, and her eyes sparkled. He raised an amused brow at her. How many butterbeers have you had? Three, but that's besides the point. What does it matter? They're not alcoholic, anyway. Mm, or in this mm, world. Mildly. Not. It's kind of like a really, really lightly alcoholic beer. Hmm. Hey, man. I wish they had that option in <laughs> the world. Yeah, Harry Potter world. I know it's called the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but Harry Potter world just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, because Wizarding World of Harry Potter is like a mouthful. Oh, Oh, God, not those jokes again. I just finished re-listening to episode three. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Sirius chuckled at what a lightweight she was as he took a sip from the small glass of fire whiskey on the table in front of him, letting the liquid roll over his tongue pleasantly before swallowing and cherishing the familiar heat that burned its way down his throat. <laughs> You're a child. I'm frustrated. 
Uh, mm, 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 not going to touch that. Hermione looked out at the crowd and laughed quietly, pointing out Ron uncomfortably trying to dance with Luna Lovegood, who was obviously quite content to dance by herself. The strange twirling movements the girl was making had no need for a partner. I told him that he should ask her to dance. I think he's regretting listening to me. How come you're not out there? Sirius asked her, eyeing her lilac-colored dress, amused by the ridiculously uncomfortable shoes she was wearing. How come you're sitting here? She countered. He tipped his glass to her. You first. Nervous, she shrugged. But even if we weren't in the middle of a war and preparing to leave any day now, I'd still probably be sitting here. The last time I was asked to dance, I was 15, and that man, she said, pointing it to a large bloke with a short beard and fancy robes, was my date. She buried a reminiscing laugh in her palm, leaning closer as she continued to speak as though she were sharing a secret. He spoke little, made my friends angry, and couldn't even pronounce my name. Sirius briefly narrowed his eyes at the unmistakable face of Victor Crumb and remembered the exaggerated articles in Witch Weekly and the Daily Prophet about the love triangle encompassing his godson, the Little Witch, and the famed Bulgarian Seeker. To hide his mild irritation, Sirius returned his attention to Hermione and smirked. You afraid he's going to ask you to dance? She shook her head emphatically. I made sure that the second he walked through the door, Fred and George introduced him to Flor's Vila cousins. She pointed to two blonde women batting their eyelashes at Crumb. Fred and George were lingering nearby, most likely waiting for Victor to choose a girl, thereby leaving the twins to pick up, pick up the pieces of a broken heart left by the Quidditch star. I'm sorry, are they suggesting that the twins would both pick up one girl? Uh, kind of sounds that way, yes. Huh. Huh. Do you have a problem with that? Hey, man, I support Polly. That's your thing? That's your thing. Go have fun with it, as long as everybody's consenting, right? But Eiffel Tower. Oh, God. (laughs) 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 Hello. Uh, Anyway. uh, Okay, what happened? Okay, that's right. Fred and George are going out for two girls. Okay, one girl. Two guys, one girl. Okay. So instead of finding someone else to dance with, you've come to keep company with the sad sod sitting in the corner. A chapter name. Oh yeah, look at that. (laughs) And they said our podcast name. Okay, cool. Well, I said part of it. Ah, but why is the... I'm not saying that, she insisted, shaking her head. Why are you sad and sitting in the corner? She watched his movements as though she would able to visibly be able to visibly discern if he were lying. Ever since she had brought him back from the Vale, Sirius had noted that Hermione was keeping a close watch on him, while the Weasleys were left preparing for the wedding and following orders given by their matriarch. Hermione and Harry would sneak off to Remus and Tonks's home to visit Sirius. It was easier to make plans for the approaching year when visiting Sirius as Molly had put a hard stop on the trio organizing their Horcrux hunting trip. 
Harry and Hermione now had to work on the details outside of the burrow, and because Harry absolutely refused to keep him in the dark about anything, Sirius quickly made the former trio into a quartet. I'm sad because I don't like weddings, he admitted. Spent much of my childhood attending them in uncomfortable robes. Hence your current rebellious sartorial selection, Hermione gestured to his leather jacket and trousers. Leather looks good, for any occasion, Sirius winked, grinning when he saw her blush. It amused him to no end that, despite being tipsy, she could still use multi- multisyllabic words. Okay, I can't do that sober. Um, she could still use multisyllabic words. To answer your question, yes, I avoid dress robes unless absolutely necessary. Not that I don't have them, or look good in them. I look fan-fucking-tastic in dress robes, he said smugly, taking another sip of his drink. Well, aren't we a cocky butt-face? I told you he was last episode. He is cocky. He's very much into his own self-image. It's part of why he's charming. Most of the weddings were for cousins, aunts, and uncles of mine, all destined to marry one another, he chuckled, as he watched Hermione flinch at the notion of the black family's tradition of inbreeding. Or they were married off to the worst types of people ever to exist, like the Malfoys or the Lestranges. Wait, say what? Um, his family intermarried a lot. So, like, his mother, Walburga Black, married Orion Black, and before she was Walburga Black, she was... Walburga Black. Okay, yeah, I got that, but his family also married Malfoys and Lestranges. So, Narcissa Malfoy. Uh, rewind. Sirius had a brother named Regulus, right? Yes. He had three cousins, all of them girls. And the cousins were, in age order, order Bellatrix Black, who became Bellatrix Lestrange, uh, Andromeda Black, who became Andromeda Tonks, and Narcissa Black, who became Narcissa Malfoy. Hmm. And then his further distant cousin was Molly Pruitt, who became Molly Weasley. Okay. Blacks are seriously inbred in the wizarding world. And this has been an ad for AncestryWizardry.com. <laughs> To be fair, I was writing a story about uh, Sirius Black at one point, and I wanted to be super correct about the genealogy lines, which is why I know all of this. Yeah, but I remember that. Good times, good times. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Thank you. I'll drink to that. Hermione reached for his glass of fire whiskey, took a sip, and then proceeded to immediately choke on it. Hey, it's Kat, the first time she ever had alcohol! Yeah, because whatever you gave me out of your dad's liquor cabinet was disgusting. It was creme de cocoa and it was tasty. It was Ugh. like chocolate. No, it was not like chocolate. I know what chocolate is. Trust me, people. But <laughs> that is not chocolate. You are welcome. Sirius laughed and pulled the glass away from her. He stood up and beckoned for a passing server carrying a large tray of champagne. Here. It's not water, but it's better than choking. That was Awful, Hermione grimaced, even after she had rinsed the taste from her mouth. How can you drink that? Sirius smiled thoughtfully, old memories burning in his chest. You get used to it. Fire whiskey holds a special place in my heart. He swirled the amber beverage in his tumbler, watching the candlelight sparkle through the color. It was his favorite color. 
Too many years had passed since he'd seen a certain pair of amber eyes staring back at him. Well, at least my brush with death got you to smile, Hermione's voice brought Sirius back from his memories. So, you don't like weddings. Sirius frowned. Only ever been to one good one. Harry's parents. He nodded. Was it beautiful? Of course it was. Lily was gorgeous as always, and James was nervous as we expected. We kept him well plied with fire whiskey just to get him down the aisle. He laughed at the memory, absent-mindedly fingering a small silver chain that hung around his neck. Hermione's eyes widened. He had to be drunk to get married? That's awful! No, he had to be drunk to be convinced that Lily wasn't going to change his mind, Sirius chuckled, recalling his best friend's ridiculous pre-wedding panic. Spent the whole night at our... He paused in frustration before correcting himself. My flat, pacing back and forth over a list of reasons why Lily would bolt at the last second. Hermione put her elbows on the table, resting her head in her hands and smiling at the story. But she didn't. Absolutely not. By that point, the two of them were so besotted with one another that it was hard to be around them. Sirius smiled brightly at the memory for just a moment before it faded into a melancholic frown. And then they got married and had a wonderful honeymoon, came home, and life turned to shit. (laughs) To be fair, it was like, you know, major wartime with Voldemort, and they had to go into hiding and all that kind of crap. Um, They had Harry, Hermione argued. Perhaps not everything was shit, as you call it. Harry was a very good thing in a really bad time, Sirius agreed. Did you have something to say? How did you know I was thinking about saying something, but I didn't? What the crap? It's like I have ESPN or something. Uh, what are no, you gonna say? I don't. I was just going to say that this is kind of depressing, but that's fine. Oh, it is super depressing. He's talking about his two best friends who died. Yeah. After James and Lily got married, we... I, he sighed and rubbed the bridge of his nose in frustration. I'm sorry, Hermione said, frowning. I didn't mean to bring up bad memories. I actually came over here to cheer you up. It's all right, kitten. Sirius reached for her hand, giving it a light squeeze before letting go. That's what you do. You try to fix everyone. Just remember that you're not always going to have to make everyone happy. It's not your job to fix the world. I, he paused, looking down at his glass, making a decision he fought, Making a decision, he tossed the fire whiskey back as he stood, holding his hand out to her. Come on. Come where? she asked, pulling away from him. He reached out for her hand again, undeterred. Here. You. Come dance. Hermione laughed, shaking her head. Absolutely not. You're adorable. You thought it was a request. He snatched her hand, yanked her to her feet, and dragged her out onto the dance floor. Hermione struggled the entire way nearly tripping over her high heels in the process, cursing his name as they moved. Serious Black, I will get you for this. Ooh, kitten has claws. People say that to me all the time. Gee, I wonder why. Cat? Because I think I'm a big kitty, but I'm not. You ever see that video of that little kid in the lion costume and his mom goes, Rawr! And he goes, 
No. It was, that is like the key. I'll send it to you later. But that's what Kenny used to say is what I think I sound like. Or what he says I sound like when I try to be a big kitty and try to get all tough. Like, Please stop I think saying I'm like, kitty. Ah! But I'm actually, ah! <laughs> Which is code for I think I can fight, but I can't. Yeah. He grinned and pulled her up against him, close enough that he could see the various shades of brown coalescing in her eyes. From far away, they looked like chocolate, but up close like this, with the light reflecting in them, they could look like fire whiskey if he wished hard enough. Hermione narrowed those intoxicating eyes at him as he gripped her hand in one of his, placing the other on her small waist and spinning her in his arms. Within seconds, Sirius had her laughing and slapping his chest playfully. Well, how about that? I might like weddings. Ah, and might... you must like hitting on people that are younger than you, too. Oh, wow. Ah, my devious plan worked. Hermione smiled triumphantly. I'm glad you're smiling again, Sirius. Me too, kitten. Me too. Hermione eyed him. Have I mentioned that I hate nicknames? It's a pet name, not a nickname. <laughs> He argued as literally. he took her literally as he took her hand and spun her out carefully before tugging her back against him, smiling when she tilted her head back and laughed. The sound drowned out the music playing and it lit him up from inside. Besides, haven't you noticed that I don't always do what people want me to do? Serious black? No, I thought he was the perfect model of obedience and consideration, she said sarcastically. I am very considerate. For instance, despite the fact that you were enjoying dancing with me so much, she laughed again, so much, I am going to part with you, even though it's obvious you want to keep dancing with me all night, he added. Who could blame you? I'm very handsome. Despite being only a little sarcastic, she did not laugh, but instead locked her gaze on him, causing him to lick his lips. Who does he remind me of? I feel like we know somebody that acts I can think of a couple. Despite being only a little sarcastic, she did not laugh, but instead locked her gaze on him, causing him to lick his lips. Clearing his throat and his head, Sirius maneuvered around another couple. I do this because I am so very considerate of the fact that I am not the only sad sod sitting alone in a corner. He gestured to Remus, who was leaning against the entrance to the marquee by himself, a glass of fire whiskey in his hand. He's not sitting, or in a corner, Hermione argued. Fine, Sirius rolled his eyes. Sad sod standing at the door. And you're leaving me to go be sad together? On the contrary, my dear kitten, he stressed the word with a smile that he felt brighten as her eyes narrowed. You've put an end to my corner-sitting sodding sadness, and I wish to share the gift of your dance moves with others. Mooney, come get in. She can't keep up with me. Hermione suddenly looked a perfect mixture of embarrassed and angry, and Sirius grinned, pulling her close to him as he waved Remus over. His friend raised a brow, seeming hesitant to participate in Hermione's humiliation. Sirius sent him a mischievous grin, silently communicating. Ooh, sorry. I was like trying to like burp hiccup in the middle of a sentence. Sirius sent him a mischievous grin, silently communicating that if he did not intervene soon, Sirius would only go and make things worse. Setting his glass down on a nearby table, Remus approached the dancing couple. 
having fun, Padfoot? Sirius took the moment to dip Hermione, drawing an unexpected laugh. He felt something in his chest tighten when her hands clung to the lapels of his leather jacket. Best wedding I've been to in years, Remus, he said as he set Hermione upright once again. I'm sure yours was fine and fancy, then again seeing as I wasn't invited to it. You were dead at the time, Remus interjected. I have decided to let you make make it up to me by occupying this young witch's dance card in my stead. Sirius took Hermione's hand and placed it in Remus's. Sighing in resignation, Remus gently led Hermione back to the dance floor as Sirius grinned at them and walked over to join Harry and Ron. The two young men were sitting at their table, watching the scene with amused expressions, having a good-natured chuckle at Hermione's expense. "'You look weird, polyjuiced," he said to Harry, ruffling the boy's currently red hair. Harry laughed. And you look weird in leather trousers. <laughs> Sirius snorted. And All I could see is that seated Fred. I was just thinking. Oh, God. The water and the baby powder. No, the lotion and the baby powder. Yeah. Oh, God. That scene makes me want to barf. Hey, see- look. Sirius snorts like I do in amusement. Look at that. <laughs> Sirius snorted in amusement and gave Harry's shoulder a playful shove before taking a seat at the nearest table. Bugger off, the two of you. Go find some pretty witches to dance with. I'd rather get another butterbeer, Ron said, looking awkward as Luna passed by them. As the boys vanished into the crowd, wearing smiles that warmed Sirius's heart, he turned his focus to Hermione and Remus, watching them attentively as they swayed to the music. Using his animagus senses, Sirius concentrated on the pair, having no remorse about eavesdropping. How much has he had to drink? Remus asked. Hermione shook her head. I don't want to know, but he didn't step on my toes during our dance, so I think he'll be okay. You'd be surprised the number of things that man can do while properly intoxicated, Remus chuckled softly, pulling her closer. You look lovely, by the way. Lilac is a good color on you. Thank you, Remus. Even from where he was sitting... Sirius caught the sudden blush on her cheeks. Where's Tonks? On duty. I offered to join her, but she insisted that I enjoy myself. (laughs) He said the words as though they were a punchline to a joke. Happy wife, happy life? I try, Sirius said with an amused little smile that faded slowly as it was replaced by a haunted look. Keep them out of trouble, will you? I know you'll be leaving soon, and it's dangerous for each of you. They'll be after all of you because of Harry. They'll be after Ron for truancy, you for being a muggle-born, and Sirius because he hasn't come into the ministry yet after they found out everyone found out he's alive. He shouldn't even be here right now. If you four have to be out, try and keep him in his animagus form. Please? I will, she promised. I'll take care of them, Remus. Sirius looked away from the couple, feelings of unease returning to him. He understood where Remus was coming from, but that didn't mean he wanted Hermione to feel responsible for his own actions. Then again, he wouldn't put it past his best friend to assume he was listening in on their conversation, and use this moment to drill it into his head that he needed to be especially careful considering everything they both had to lose. I know you will, Remus said, but please take care of yourself, Hermione. If something were to happen to you, a silver light burst into the marquee pulling Sirius's attention away from the couple. Do you know what's happening? Something. Descriptive. (laughs) 
The Patronus landed in the shape of a lynx, and everyone turned to get a look, good look at the large cat. Its mouth opened wide, and it spoke in a loud, deep, in the loud, deep voice of Kingsley Shacklebolt. The Ministry has fallen. Scrimgeour is dead. They are coming. Silence spread outward in cold ripples from the place where the Patronus had landed. Then, somebody screamed, and everyone panicked, rushing towards the exit. Sirius's first instinct was to look for Hermione, who he saw being pushed towards him by Remus. Walking steadily towards her, wand in hand, he scanned the room for Harry and Ron. Hermione pulled her own wand as she reached him, and Sirius tucked her into his side just as the crowd erupted into chaos. Guests were sprinting in all directions, many were disapparating. The protective enchantments around the burrow had broken. Harry! Hermione screamed. Ron! Hermione! Harry shouted, pushing his way towards them. Shortly behind Harry, Ron appeared. We need a safe place to hide, he pointed out as Sirius rushed them away from the panicking crowd. Grimmauld Place, Harry suggested. Don't be ridiculous, Harry. Snape can get in there, Hermione said. Ron's dad said they'd put up jinxes against him, and even if they hadn't worked, he pressed on, interrupting Harry, er, Hermione, as she opened her mouth to argue. So what? I swear I'd like nothing better than to meet Snape. But, Hermione, where else is there? It's the best chance we've got. Snape's only one Death Eater. Sirius nodded in agreement. Harry's right. Apparate to the top step of number 12. You can't be seen from the street in case they've got people watching it. Side along, then, Hermione insisted, or else we'll end up knocking each other over once we apparate. Paternal instincts kicking in, Sirius automatically took Harry's arm, grateful when Hermione grabbed Ron's. He would have liked to have been take... have been... Paternal instincts kicking in, Sirius automatically took Harry's arm, grateful when Hermione grabbed Ron's. He would have liked to have been able to take all three individually, for safety reasons, but time was not on their side. On the count of three, the four turned on the spot, vanishing into compressed darkness. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I was just about to do that. Sirius stepped into the house first. The moment that the front door closed behind them, the old-fashioned gas lamps lit up the front hallway, casting light on the spun cobwebs that draped from one wall to another. It was eerily quiet, and the stale smell of neglect hung in the air. A thick layer of dust covered the framed artwork, the lamp fixtures, and the row of house elf heads still hanging on the wall. What? Oh. Like, you go hunting? No. So, um, yeah, again, in the books, not in the movies. Uh, the blacks, when their house elf no longer is useful and gets too old, they chop off its head and mount it. And that's all Creature wanted in his life. So it's like, when you go hunting? Okay. Yeah, kinda. It's... Creature needs to get a life and get more goals in his life. Other than <laughs> serving the House of Black honorably and having his house mounted next to his mother? Yeah. My it husband. looked exactly as he had left it. I can't find it. Where is this? It's in the paragraph that you just I read, know. Muggles! Yeah. Oh. It looked exactly as he had left it. The only thing even slightly out of place was the troll-leg umbrella stand lying on its side as though Tonks had just knocked it over again. I think someone's been in here, Hermione whispered, pointing towards the troll leg. That could have happened as the order left, Ron murmured back. Harry frowned and studied the shadows on the wall. So where are these jinxes they put up against Snape? Maybe they're only activated if he shows up? Ron suggested. Sirius moved ahead, 
glancing back to see the teenagers standing close together, their backs against the wide door, looking afraid to move further into the house. He didn't blame them. "'Well, we can't stay here forever,' Harry said as he took a step forward, joining Sirius. Moody's voice whispered out of the darkness. "'Severus Snape!' "'Do I look like an ugly git to you?' Sirius snapped. "'We're not bloody Snape!' A few more curses and jinks meant to trap Snape were easily averted by the four, though the thing that had made the three younger jump highest was the screeching sound of Sirius's mother's portrait in the hallway. "'Muds! Filth! Stains of dishonor! How dare you take the halls of the House of Black!' I've been trying to cut back on the voices, but I did that one just for you. "'Shut up!' Harry and Sirius bellowed simultaneously. With an explosion of red sparks from Harry's wand, the curtain swung shut, silencing the vociferous painting. "'I'm gone a year, and no one's thought of anything better than curtains yet?' Sirius questioned the three, who all shrugged in response. He sighed and rubbed the bridge of his nose. "'Hell, I'm just gonna plaster over the old bitch when we're done with this bloody war.' Shivering slightly in the... <laughs> Shivering slightly in the drafty room, Hermione perched on the sofa, hugging her knees to her chest. Instinctively, Sirius made his way to her and wrapped an old blanket he had pulled out of a nearby cupboard around her quivering form. She smiled up at him, gratefully, before her focus switched to Ron, who was peering through the windows. "'Can't see anyone out there,' he announced. "'Harry?' Hermione asked worriedly. Hermione's voice drew Sirius's attention to his godson. The polyjuice had finally faded completely." which would have been a happy sight, except that Harry was wincing in pain and clutching his forehead. The image, he was certain, had taken years off of Sirius's life as the panic raised in his chest. Harry! What did you see? Ron asked, advancing forward. Did you see him at my place? No, I, I just felt anger. He's really angry. But that could be at the burrow, Ron said worriedly. What else? Didn't you see anything? Was he cursing someone? No, I just felt anger. I, I couldn't tell... He's still connected to you? Sirius asked with concern, pushing Ron out of Harry's face. I thought that had been fixed by teaching you occlumency. He looked to Hermione, hoping for answers as Harry was still caught up in the aftershocks of the painful vision. He never finished his lessons, she disclosed. Snape refused. That prick! Dumbledore was supposed to set him straight, Sirius growled, reminding himself that Snape was a traitor and had likely stopped the lessons on purpose to keep Harry from blocking out Voldemort. Then we'll pick it back up. I'm not the best at it, mind you, he admitted. That was certainly an understatement. Memories of the first time he had tried occlumency still made him slightly nauseated. But better than ignoring it and letting that sick snake inside of your head. Harry exhaled. Thanks, Sirius. Hermione shrieked. The other three drew their wands in response, spinning around to see a silver Patronus soar through the drawing room window and land on the floor in front of them, where it solidified into the weasel that spoke with Arthur's voice. Family safe. Do not reply. We are being watched. The Patronus dissolved into nothingness, and Ron let out a noise between a whimper and a groan, dropping onto the sofa. Hermione joined him, gripping his arm. Sirius walked over and patted the boy on the shoulder. See? Takes more than the ministry falling and a wedding being attacked by Death Eaters to take down a Weasley shindig. He chuckled, trying to ease the tension. Ron gave a half-hearted smile in response. We should get some rest, Hermione insisted as she grabbed her beaded bag, 
reaching in and pulling out a stack of bedclothes. Bedcloths? Bedclothes? I don't know. Bedclothes! Sirius smiled at the sight. Undetectable extension charm? He inquired, and she silently confirmed. Haven't seen one of those in years. He gratefully took the clothes offered to him. Ah, it was clothes. Though he wondered if his bedroom upstairs had been left alone. He would probably have things to wear in there, but the idea of revisiting old times just now was not appealing. Best wait for the morning. What in the crap is going down? Well, it's the same thing that happened in uh, movie 7. Yeah, I get that. But, like, so before Hermione's like, I want to break into the ministry. So they do it. And then the next thing you know, Sirius is brought back from the dead. And now the thingy went down at the wedding and now they're somewhere else. So they're at war. So, oh, no, never mind. I get it. I just had to say that out loud. I get it now. Light bulb. Pink. August 2nd, 1997. Blinking his eyes open, Padfoot glanced around the room, quietly groaning at the reminder of where he was. The arm draped over his furry body, however, was a pleasant surprise. Not wanting to be separated, Sirius had insisted they all sleep in the drawing room for the night. Ron had a fit of gallantry and insisted that Hermione sleep with the sofa cushions. Sirius, irritated that he hadn't thought of it first, had shifted into Padfoot and crawled between Ron and Hermione, settling down on the floor beside her for the night. A narrow beam of light was visible between the gap and the heavy curtains. It was a cool, clear blue morning of watered ink somewhere between night and dawn, and it was quiet save for the slow, deep breaths coming from Ron and Hermione. Glancing up, he saw Harry stretching his arms above his head, his hair in more disarray than normal, which was truly saying something. Though it was easy to remember that the two were separate individuals, the silhouette that Harry created against the light in the room was a painful reminder of James. Padfoot stretched out his front paws and then back, shaking out his fur, drawing Harry's attention. He nodded towards the door, waiting for Harry to take his cue before he looked down at the sleeping girl next to him. Leaning forward, he pulled the sleeve of her fallen arm up with his teeth and set it back down on the kitchen. Er, cushion. He glanced at Harry as he walked out of the room before making his way up the staircase, shifting back into his human form mid-step. Harry followed closely behind. What, what an arsehole. <laughs> Sorry, I like saying arsehole. <laughs> what an arsehole, Sirius growled after opening his bedroom door, looking inside to see that his room had been completely torn apart. He could still smell Snape's presence there, though the greasy git had clearly vacated months ago. Grimmauld Place might have been, must have been the traitor's first stop after murdering Dumbledore. I take it you didn't do this? Harry asked as he walked in behind Snape. No. I'll admit to being messy, but I have respect for my own stuff, Sirius grumbled as he made his way to a stack of papers and fallen photographs, most of which were of himself, James, and Remus, with Peter's face scratched out of them. He was glad to see that Snape had not snatched up the few photos he had- Bless you. Damn, bro. In the middle of recording? Um, he was glad to see that Snape had not snatched up the few photos he had left of Lily- Sirius smiled at the living memories as they danced on paper in front of his eyes and handed them over to Harry. Here you go. Saved them for you. Harry hesitated before taking them. You should keep some of these, Sirius. 
Got my own copies, and then some. Sirius inclined his head towards a large locked box near the bed. He picked up his wand and waved it over the rusty container, smiling when it glowed gold for a brief moment. Still intact. You'd need a bloody curse breaker to get into that thing. What have you got in there other than pictures? Pictures are enough. Memories keep you grounded when the rest of the world goes to shit, Sirius explained, leaving the details murky. He picked up an old copy of A History of Magic from the Floor and tossed it on top of the locked box. Oh, damn. He picked up a crumpled piece of parchment, feeling heavy-hearted. Here, he said, and handed it to Harry. It's a letter your mum wrote me. Sirius smiled softly as he watched Harry get a little teary-eyed at Lily's words. We had a cat? Harry asked with a laugh. Sirius chuckled, unconsciously rubbing at the scratch marks on his arm that had healed years ago. I hated that fucking beast. It used to be my... mine, he cleared his throat, lost in emotion. But we didn't get along so great, so I handed it off to your mum. Harry? Sirius? Up here, love, Sirius called. What happened? There was a clattering of footsteps outside the door, and Hermione burst inside, looking exasperated and relieved all at once. We woke up and didn't know where you were, she said breathlessly, before turning and yelling over her shoulder. Ron, I found them. Ron's annoyed voice echoed distantly from several floors below. Good. Tell them from me that they're both gits. Harry, don't just disappear, please. We were terrified, she exclaimed, calming down as she took a good look around the room. Did you make all this mess, or was some of it done when you got here? She glanced suspiciously at Sirius, who narrowed his eyes back at her. Sorry, Hermione held up both hands as a sign of surrender. Why don't you both come down and we'll put together some breakfast? The three left Sirius's room, closing the door behind them, and heading back down the stairs, Sirius close on Hermione's heels with Harry lagging behind. As they passed a door on the right, out of bitter habit, Sirius made a fist and punched the sign that hung on, hung on it as he continued down the stairs. Hermione, Sirius, come back up here, Harry said. Hermione looked back up the stairs. What's the matter, Harry? I think I found him. Sirius looked back concerned. What's wrong? What'd you find? R.A.B. You found... Oh my god, how did I not put that together, Hermione said excitedly as she reached the landing. She smiled and hugged Harry tightly, and then reached out for Sirius as he approached the two of them, Ron coming up behind him. Someone want to clue me in? You found R.A.B.? Ron asked. What's R.A.B.? Sirius scanned the door carefully. Surely they didn't mean Regulus. What the hell would these three need from his dead brother? The fake locket horcrux that Dumbledore and Harry found had a note in it from one of you-know-who's followers, Hermione explained to him. One who defected and stole his horcrux, intending to destroy it. Good for him. Sticking it to old... Wait. R.A.B.? No. Regulus shook his head. Absolutely not. It fits, Sirius, Harry said. No, Sirius growled, remembering the last time he had seen his younger brother, complete with Death Eater regalia. Regulus was a Death Eater. He was a bloody idiot who bought into all of that pure-blood nonsense that my parents taught us. Would you recognize his handwriting? Hermione asked, reaching into her beaded bag and pulling out the fake locket. As she popped it open, a small piece of folded parchment tumbled out. Sirius took it quickly and opened it immediately recognizing the script. He and Regulus had been forced to go through penmanship lessons since the moment they could both hold a quill. As usual, Sirius had rebelled and scribbled his way through most of the early years, only appreciating the need for proper penmanship when he'd begun writing love letters to girls in school. 
It also set his notes apart from James, which looked like a bunch of bow truckles had gone swimming in ink in an inkwell and then flopped across a piece of parchment. Sounds like my dad's writing. <laughs> Regulus, on the other hand, obeyed from the outset, as always, and set to prove that he had the most beautiful handwriting. This doesn't... It doesn't prove a thing. Why does it matter? Regulus is dead, and we have a fake locket, Sirius said brusquely. Would you be okay with us searching his room for the real one? Harry asked. Have fun. I'll be downstairs. Sirius turned and fled the landing, making his way past the drawing room to the back door, which he popped open before pulling out a pack of cigarettes he kept in his leather jacket. Tapping one out, Sirius reached for his wand and used a small fire-making spell to light it. He took a deep drag and exhaled slowly, as though this one small stick would keep him from breaking. Sirius? I'm fine, Hermione, he answered before she bothered asking. Did you find it? Not yet. Harry and Ron are still looking, Hermione replied as she approached him. Good luck to them then, he said bitterly. She pointed at the cigarette. That's a disgusting habit. Preach. He grinned at her. You might not always think that. It's helpful when you're stressed. Pursing her lips in disapproval, she opened her mouth again to say something when a loud crash echoed from upstairs, followed by Ron shouting down, We're fine! Everything's fine! Hermione sighed and shook her head, crossing her arms and stepping closer to Sirius. Tell me about your brother. Sirius groaned as he blew his smoke out the side of his mouth away from her face. Why couldn't she ever just let things be? Maybe another time, love, he demurred. The last time he opened up and talked about his brother had been a long time ago, a memory he was not ready to revisit. She tried to reason with him. If this is true, that means he didn't die for nothing. Still dead, though. Was there a funeral? Sirius sighed, giving up and flicking the cigarette through the opening of the door, closing it behind him quickly to avoid the cold. I imagined so. I wasn't invited. I got a lovely letter from my mother telling me that my father and brother were both dead. That's awful. That was typical. So you didn't get to even say goodbye? Not in the way you're thinking. He moved and sat down in the armchair, putting the pack of cigarettes back in the pocket of his jacket. I said goodbye to them all the moment they blasted me off that tree in the other room. When Reg died, though... He paused as he considered whether or not he should say anything more. I said goodbye by drinking my way through a bottle of fire whiskey with a girlfriend. At least you weren't alone, Hermione noted, but there was a hint of bitterness in her tone. Sirius grinned at the way she answered him, wondering if that was jealousy he was picking up. No, not that time, he continued on, not wanting to point out the brief look of anger on her face. We got drunk and she made up stories about my family, said that deep down they were all good people caught up in bad situations. Lovely fairy tales. The fragment of nostalgia that had momentarily lit up his countenance faded. Made me feel better until I sobered up. Hermione patted his shoulder. Maybe they weren't fairy tales. We'll see. Aww. And that's it, that is... Chapter 5. That was kind of depressing. (laughs) Oh, for real? If it makes you feel any better, the story does get significantly funnier and significantly more depressing. Oh, great. Oh, you're gonna cry. I'm waiting for it. Oh, God. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. And a special thank you to Shayalani for allowing us to read your story. And Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo. We would also like to welcome Hannah, our lovely editor, to the team. Thanks, Hannah! You can find us on Instagram at Fire, Whiskey, and Honey Podcast, no E in whiskey. And on Twitter, FWH Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash fire, whiskey, and honey. Thank you to those who already support us. We wouldn't be here without you. I want to give a big shout out to all of our supporters. We have a new stag, Miranda SQ. We have a new wolf, who is Katie. And then we'd also like to thank all of our foxes, Carissa Horton, Laura Rivers, Kelsey Mil- uh, Melillo, Rin Oliver, Elsie Wolfson, Krista Swearingen, Sophie Segator, Amanda Quick, Julian Foles, Martina Tomlinson, and Ashley Anstrom. Thank you, guys. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Woohoo! Say goodnight, Mabel. No. Oh, that's hurtful. And it's not Mabel, it's Gracie. Damn it!